Amen, amen. As you have a seat, turn to somebody and tell them, I'm messed up. Come on, your neighbor already knows it, but just tell them anyway. Messed up. We're messed up. I mean, that's the series we're in, Mentally Messed Up. If you're a guest, welcome. Uh, you're going to find out how messed up we really are here because we are, and we're going to shed light on it. And last week, we started the series, um, Mentally Messed Up, by just admitting it, just like we're broken. We are, we are broken. And it brought me back to the series that we taught last summer called Chain Breaker. This series last summer, 12 weeks long, it was crazy epic. And uh, step one in the 12 steps of life was admitting that, like, I have compulsive behavior. I've got things that I do that I shouldn't do. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and if you don't think you do, just, again, ask your neighbor. They'll tell you what they are because we're messed up. And I think of, and the, but the person, the last person to know it is the person who's doing it, right? Or the last person that'll admit it anyway. My family, like my daughter, Ava, she would say to her brother, Jake, Jake, you're messed up. You're like, you're very loud. Jake, everything you do is like times 10. Everything you do is like very over the top. And Jake would be like, no, 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 it's not. You know, he'd be loud about that. But Jake would say to Ava, Ava, you're messed up. Every time you eat your cereal, you're slurping your cereal. Every morning you're slurping. And Ava would turn to Jake with, with milk running down her chin. No, I don't. No, I don't. I, she doesn't see it. My wife would tell me, Monty, you're kind of messed up. When you lay down before bed, your foot constantly moves back and forth, and it does. I don't know what it is, but somebody said it's restless whatever syndrome. I don't know. It's just something that it happens. And so Jody just lives with it. But I forget I have it because I'm just used to it. But it's funny. When I was in a drug rehab, like if you're new, again, we're messed up. When I was in drug rehab, I had a roommate. And we're, so we're fresh in rehab. We're all messed up trying to get our lives back together. And uh, we're laying down in our beds, and uh, he's like, it's quiet. And he goes, what's that noise? And I'm like, I don't even know this guy. I'm like, kind of scared. I'm like, I don't hear anything. And he said, all right. And I, it's quiet again. All of a sudden, he's like, what's that noise? And I'm like, he goes like a and I was like, oh, I said, I, I said, that's my foot. It just moves back and forth uncontrollably like that. And he sits up in his bed. He goes, really? Of all the people I could be roommates with, they put me with Thumper. And I'm like, I've never been called Thumper. I don't think I did a lot for that guy's sobriety, to be honest with you. Um, but I can't leave my wife out. My wife, Jody's a little bit compulsive with cleaning. Like she, when she gets on her cleaning kick, look out. I tell her, sweetie, I'll take the kids. We'll go somewhere. I'll get them out of your hair. You can knock it out. She's like, no, we're going to knock it out together. She goes, and she starts giving up orders. Ava, you're doing this. Jake, you're doing this. Dad, you're going to vacuum and dust. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I try to pull the God card. I'm like, you know, Jody says, the Bible says, from dust we came and dust we shall return. She's like, what's your point? I said, you want me to dust this? That could be somebody we know. I mean, I don't want to do that. She's like, shut up and dust. All right. So, but we're messed up. And what, what's interesting about the mental game, or it's not a game, I mean, we, we, mental illness is so real, and I'm so excited about the series shedding light on it, but I'll tell you, God has just been showing me things throughout the week in this series. Like this week, I, I listen to leadership stuff all the time. I'm listening to a podcast, and it's about young adults and teenagers. So it, it's all it was about, just learning more about young adults and teenagers. And, and right off the bat, she's, they start talking about mental illness. And the gal says, there's risk behaviors that, that teens and young adults are doing, but they've changed. She said, years ago, the risk behaviors that were trending up are now trending down. For example, partying, I guess, drugs and drinking, premarital sex, those things are actually trending down. I mean, that's good news, right? But she said, the problem is, you know what's trending up? Depression, anxiety, uh, mental illness in general is trending up. 
So she starts talking about that, and she says schools, she said schools at least are talking about it. She was taking her, her kid to, he's going to college, so they're touring college campuses, and she said all the to- college campuses, that was a topic, that, that they would see mental illness, very aware of it. In fact, she said that California just legislated a law where middle schoolers, every middle schooler in every high school in California, on their name, t- badge for school, the back of it has the suicide hotline phone number which is actually great news. I'm like, there's really, they're, they're putting awareness on that. And then she said, families are the ones that need to talk about it more. She said, and then she said, churches need to talk about it more. And I'm like, okay, God, because we are, and I want to do that. We deal with it. Why wouldn't we talk about it in the church? And, and then they asked a question. The last question they said is, why? Let's go back to the risk behaviors. Why is it de- trending upward? Why is, why is suicide, depression, and all that just going up? And the guy who was on the panel, he said, the world is evolving, and there's many different factors, but he said something that was interesting. He said, you know, when I was in school, we would, what was common practice was fire drills or, or tornado drills. Well, now what's common practice is lockdown drills. You know, the world's changing. The world is changing, but I'm grateful that we serve a God that does not change. We serve a word that does not change. We serve hope that was there when, back 2,000 years ago and is available to you today. And, and God is going to do something in this place. But I'm like, the world is changing. And last week I shared a stat that of the people that suffer significantly or severely from mental illness, studies vary a little bit. So I'd say 40 to 60% from what I've studied, 40 to 60% of those people are not getting treatment. Like they're, they're doing nothing for it. Can you imagine? Like, if you had something seriously wrong, like, if you had a broken arm, you wouldn't just not do anything, right? You would go in. But there's people walking around broken mentally that have done nothing about it. And there's different factors why that is. But I'm saying there is something that God said is in his word that we can do. Like, we have a choice. Say, I have a choice. You do. You have a choice. And, and, and I think sometimes we get, stu- we get stuck in the why, Almost like a victim. Like, why is this happening? Why do I feel this way? Why, is, why, is, why are they suffering like that? And I get there's a season where you go through that, but eventually we've got to move from the why to the what. What am I going to do about it? Like, what, what decision am I going to make to, to, to make this better? Because you can make a lot of decisions about your mental health that will help that improve it. And that's what we're going to look at today. But Because we could ask why all day long. I mean, there's things in life I don't get. There's things in life that we'll never understand. I was out eating breakfast with a guy, and the waiter brought over my eggs. And this is what he said. He said, do you want some ketchup with your eggs? I thought, get behind me, Satan. What? I See, there's things I just don't get. Ketchup? I mean, if you eat ketchup with your eggs, we want to pray for you after the service. I'm not kidding you. The, something is serious. What? In the, I don't get it. I just, what? If there's anybody that could ask what or why is this happening, it's a man named Paul. I told you in this series, Mentally Messed Up, you're going to hear a lot about this guy. This guy was a pioneer of the, of the first churches. He's a guy that literally met Jesus Christ and was transformed in the moment. Some of you, you walked in here not even thinking anything was going to happen. I'm just going to check church off the list. I'm just going to get this out of the way. I'm telling you, God brought you here for a God-ordained divine moment. That God wants to do something in you that you never dreamed he could do or would do. And that is why you're here today. Paul never dreamed, he was Saul at that time, never dreamed he'd be transformed on this day he was traveling towards a road or a city called Damascus and he was literally transformed and then after he was transformed he couldn't shut up about Jesus he was planting churches telling people about the gospel you maybe you're like what gospel what's that mean you're gonna find out what it means it's good news and you're gonna hear a lot about today and I'm telling you Paul was changed but Paul was going through a severe trial 
If you bought a Bible or a mobile device, you can go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12. Now, 2 Corinthians is in, in the New Testament. It's, it comes right after uh, 1 Corinthians, if that helps. You're welcome. I know, I'm just kind of a jerk. But anyway, so um, it, it, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. It is a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, uh, but he also wrote it to you and I. And, and go to the, start in the seventh verse. And before we get there, I want to set it up for you. Because in, in the 11th chapter, before chapter 12, Paul says something. He's going through a lot. Like, literally, Paul t- is kind of being questioned about his credentials. And like, who are you to say this? And, and, and who are you to whatever? And Paul's like, who are you? He said, you haven't been through near what I've been through. Like, uh, who, you, what have you done for Jesus? What have you done for the gospel? And then Paul starts laying it out. Look at everything I've done. You think I, if this wasn't true, if I wasn't, didn't have the credentials, would I go through any of this? And then he starts listing what he's gone through. And he says, I have been shipwrecked. I have been beaten. I have been whipped. I have been stoned. And some of you were like, well, I've been stoned. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about. That's different, okay? This is whatever. So I'm glad you're here, though. Focus. All right. So, and then he goes on to say, I was hungry. Because that's what happens after you're, anyway. So he was hungry. He was thirsty. He was freezing. It was bad for Paul. And Paul's like, I've been through all this. And it's about to get worse. Because then we go to chapter 12, and this is what, this is, check this out. In the seventh verse, I'm going to start there. Paul's been through hell already, and God's not done. Therefore, Paul's writing this, in order to keep me from becoming proud or conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, Paul says, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Say, why? Why? He says, three times, God, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. But each time the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Not in your strength. Not in your good times. Not in when things are all figured out. Not when you're all mentally okay. But in your weakness, God's power is made perfect Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly. This is when Paul's getting a little bit psychotic. I'll I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. We don't even know what the, the thorn in the flesh was. The Bible doesn't specifically say. I mean, many scholars believe it was a mental illness. And I'm kind of with them because what Paul says next, again, is crazy. Verse 10, that is why for Christ's sake, I'll delight. Bring it on. I'll delight in the weaknesses. I'll delight in the insults. I'll delight in the hardships. Yay, I'll delight in the persecution. I'll delight in the difficulties. I mean, cuckoo, cuckoo. Paul's nuts here. What? You're like, you're like loving it? And then this next statement is, is, what, is what I, one thing I really want you to ha- grab a hold of. Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. We don't wish weakness on anybody. We don't wish weakness on ourselves. But God says in your dysfunction, and even in your mental illness, even in your relationship struggles, even in your financial mishaps, God actually says in that weakness, I can do something supernatural. And this should give you incredible encouragement and incredible hope to know that God can take a dysfunction and a weakness and use it for his glory. But this is what he can do. It's actually what he's in the business of doing. He would use that struggle in Paul's life to build on Paul's strength. You could say the struggle made him stronger, right? And this is what God wants you to know today, that the struggle that you're in, if you choose to, 
will make you stronger. It will. You wouldn't wish it on yourself. You wouldn't wish mental illness on anybody. You wouldn't wish a tragedy on anybody. We don't wish that like Paul did. And I'm not even sure Paul really wished it. I mean, I don't think Paul, I don't think Paul when he was getting beaten or whipped was like, thank you, sir. May I have another? I don't, I don't think Paul was doing that. But I do think in that beating and in that hardship and in that thorn in the flesh that God was drawing Paul in. That God was strengthening Paul in that moment. I think we have to agree that Paul trusted God like none other. Not, not, be, not, not despite what was happening, but because of what was happening. This is huge. James is a, a brother of Jesus. He wrote a book in the Bible in the New Testament, the book of James. And in there, in verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 8, James says, draw close to God, and he'll draw close to you. See, you have a choice. You can draw close to God. And when you do, God will always make the choice to come close to you when you come close to him. We, we miss this sometimes. It's like we want God to be close, but you got, God wants you to draw close to him. And you know when we draw close to God a lot of times? During struggle, during sadness, during tragedy, during illness. This is a lot of who we are as a people. I ain't gonna reach out to God when I'm one. Things are okay, I'm good. But when I'm struggling... I might reach out to God. So I'm telling you, the next time you're struggling, the next time that you're feeling defeated, you, you pray to God. You cry out to God and then trust God. Trust that God can actually take those burdens and turn them into blessings. I'm telling somebody, the struggle makes you stronger. The struggle can make you stronger. When I was, when I was in a, a, a rehab meeting, a recovery meeting, I remember, I'll never forget it. I was early on in my recovery, still just jacked up from, just messed up. And I'm in there and I hear this guy talking and he says the traditional, hey, my name is Bob and... You know, but he doesn't say I'm an addict. He says, my name is Bob, and I'm a grateful drug addict. And I thought, what? I mean, I know what drug addiction has done in my life. Like, I know the people I've destroyed, the lives I've hurt, the loved ones that I've torn to pieces. I know, I mean, when he said that, I mean, I wanted to get him and just punch him in the throat. I'm like, grateful? Like, this is a gift? Are you kidding? Turn to two people and say, what a strange gift. Tell two people, what a strange gift that you're talking about. That's the title of today's message, actually. What a strange gift. Like, like this is something that, that, that you, almost like Paul, you take delight in. I'm a grateful addict. You know what? You know what? Because my life was out of control. And what God was showing me in that moment, Monty, your life's out of control. Just like that guy's life is or was out of control. But you have a choice. Right? You may, your life could be completely out of control, but you do have a choice. You, and God is going to ask you today, what do you choose? What are you choosing to do today? Too many people want to live in their dysfunction and then use that as some sort of a crutch. Well, I'm just going to stay there. That's the way I'm made. It might be the way you're made. It might be your makeup. In fact, I'm going to say that's one of the myths that we're going to dispel in this series. Like mental illness, of course it's mental, hence the name. It's emotional, but I'm telling you, it's physical. It is a physical illness as well. And for people to say, well, it's all in your head, well, you know what? It, it's very physical as well. In fact, the study, as I studied this, this stat kind of blew me away. This is what it says. If I can find it. There it is. Patients with, un <laughs> mentally messed up. Patients with untreated depressive illness lose approximately seven years of their life. 
So what that's saying is when you struggle mentally and, and, and you're not getting help, remember 40 to 60% aren't doing anything about it. They're, they're, they're shaving at least seven years off their life. Why? Because your brain up here is gonna impact a lot of other organs. Obviously the brain is the firing mechanism that's gonna trigger your body to function the way it's supposed to function. Well, when that's not firing properly, it's gonna mess up some other organs in your body. Hence, shorten your life. It is a physical ailment. Like, you could say it's in your genes for some of us. I mean, some of us are more prone to mental illness than others. I get that. I want you to understand that, that it's a physical thing. Like, like it's, it's our makeup, it's our chemistry. We're all wired differently. Say I'm unique. Well, you are. You are unique. God, you, like, like, okay, let's, uh, let's do an example. How many, like, I, I get hot a lot. So maybe some of you guys, more guys than girls, I don't know. But how many here would say that internally you just run kind of hot? You're hot a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about you? Do you how, who runs cold? You're always cold. Okay, a lot more you run cold. A lot of the ladies I see, that would be my wife, okay? It could be 90 degrees in our house and she'd walk over and turn the fireplace on. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, if we took up like a field trip to hell, she'd bring a blanket. It doesn't make sense. I'm like, what are you doing? It's hot. Okay, I don't get that. But we're wired differently. Some of us are fast. Some of us are slow. I remember in grade school, uh, and we weren't, I mean, kids can be so brutal, but we had a slow kid. Well, there's always a slow kid in your class, right? Someone's got to be the slowest. Well, there was a kid in our class. He was, he, he was beyond slow. Like, we called him sloth. I know that was mean, and God's going to forgive me for it. I think he did, but uh, it was mean. But he was so slow, this dude. He could get in a race with one other person and somehow get third. It was the crazy. Dude was, I mean, we're just, we're wired differently. Is it fair? We're just, everybody's unique. And I think of, you can liken it to like our, our wardrobe that we buy, right? It's, it can be unique now. Like you can, you can buy, do you know you can buy jeans actually that, that purposely have holes in them? I mean, who does stuff like this? It's, it's, what's wrong with people? But, but sometimes when you buy jeans that are distressed like that, it'll come with a little tag. And you know what it says? These jeans have been purposely like flawed to make them unique. And I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? What if, we, what if God put a tag on every one of us? said they purposely have flaws because, because they're not perfect, but it makes them unique. And I think, wow, if we understood that the flaws could actually be, they could actually make us stronger. Like they, could, they, they make us unique. It makes you who you are. I, again, I'm not saying, well, I want mental illness because I want to be, no, no, no. But God can, God, can, God can do great things. God can take your flaws. God can take that uniqueness and he can actually use it for his glory. This is what's so incredible. It's in your genes. Literally, your genes, it's, it's one of the things that makes you so beautiful, but yet so broken is what we're learning. It's Paul's thorn in his flesh. The thorn, that, that was Paul, one of his flaws. And it's this thorn that we don't know what it was, but Paul didn't want it. Do you remember why God even gave it to him or allowed it to happen? I got to take you back to verse 7, the very first verse we read in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Remember, I was given this to what? Keep me from becoming proud. That's why he got it. That's why, he, that's why God allowed it to happen to him. To keep me from becoming proud or conceited. See, I'm here to tell somebody in this place, there's something way worse than mental illness. There's something way worse than affliction or, or disease or sickness, and that is sin. And that is sin. And, and there is almost, I, I don't know if there's a worse sin than pride. Why do I say that? Well, it's the sin that got the devil kicked out of heaven. 
The devil was an angel at one point, if you don't know that. He was an angel. But because he was proud and because he wanted what God had, he wanted to be who God was, and because of his proudness or his pride, God kicked him out of heaven. Pride goes before the fall. That's what it says in Proverbs 29, 23. Pride goes before destruction. Another, another translation says, I know it all too well. The reason I can function so many years as a drug addict was pride. I'm no drug addict. Don't call me a drug addict. I mean, I might use some stuff recreationally, but I'm just having a good time just hanging out with my friends. It's not impacting anybody. You'll lie to yourself too. That's what pride will do. I ain't no drug addict. I ain't walking around needles hanging out of my arms. I'm not homeless. I got a home. I got a job. I got a wife. I got kids. I'm successful. Pride goes before the fall. Successful? Oh my gosh. Just because your life looks good on the outside doesn't mean you're not completely messed up on the inside. That's why church kind of scares me sometimes because we come to church, we got to get all cleaned up. And that's okay. You can get cleaned up. You can look good for church. No problem with that. But don't get all cleaned up for church and then pretend like you got it all together. None of us got it together. Probably the most messed up person in here is the guy with the microphone. And I'm in this addiction and pride is keeping me from getting to where I need to go. Pride comes before the fall. I don't have... I had a problem. And my life was out of control. Well, you know what? God's not going to give you more than you can handle, though. Okay. First of all, the Bible doesn't even say that, okay? Secondly, anybody who's married knows that's not true. You got kids? You know that's not true. You've driven in rush hour traffic? You know that's not true. God will give you more than you can handle. Paul had a lot more than he can handle. But he also had a choice. See, God will always give you a choice. What the scripture actually says is you won't, God won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will always give you a way out. That's what the scripture says. We're not living like victims, not here. We're victors. But I struggle mentally, Pastor. I do too, trust me. It is not an easy road. But I'm telling you, our Father, our King, our Jesus gives us incredible hope in his word. And it's what he's giving us to us today. Pride comes before the fall. <laughs> Last week, I, sh I got vulnerable. I'll do it again. I shared with you after rehab, the second time, I got clean. And I remember being off drugs, and I'm like, oh, my life, I've still got my family, and I've still got my job, and my life should be awesome. It should be all together. And I've never been more miserable. And I sat there thinking, God, if this is what it's like to like be sober, I'll take the drugs. I remember telling him that. I, I am, I've never felt so dead and sad, ever. And someone said, Monty, you gotta go, you gotta see a doctor. Of course, pride. Why well, ain't gonna, medication? What, antidepressants like every, every other loser out there that can't handle it? Pride goes before the fall. Then he said, you know, if your liver was failing and there was a pill that would make your liver okay, would you take it? I'm like, yeah. Okay, your liver is an organ in your body, just like your brain is an organ in your body. Can we agree? The brain is an organ. And he said, if there was a pill that would help your brain function more properly, why in the world would you believe the devil and not let God use whatever God wants to use to get you where God wants to get you? And when he said that to me, I was like, so I go to the doctor, I get on medication, but then you got to understand it. Then I was going to church and I gave my life to Christ and Jesus Christ is Holy Spirit lived in me. That's what happens when you're saved, when you surrender to Jesus. Some of you are going to do that today. That's why you're here. 
And I do that, and, I, and I'm leading this church, and I, the church is growing. I mean, like 300, 400, 500, 600, 700, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm feeling like, like more of a fraud. I'm like, okay, they don't even know I'm on medication. Nobody knows. Just my little secret. And I'll never forget, I was so, and I tried to get off of it numerous times. I'm like, Jesus, you're enough. I'm weaning off this medication. Talk to the doctor, wean off. I'm like, all right, I'm doing good. I'm okay. I'm getting off. But sometimes you think you're okay, you're not okay. I'm, I go to my wife, Jody. Jody, I think I'm doing good. She's like, get on the medication. Take the pill. Take two. I'm like, I wasn't okay. I needed help. And I tried to get off. And I remember before a service, we did a Saturday night service. And I got to the sanctuary before anybody else that Saturday afternoon. And I was, I was so upset with God. I'm like, this is, this is a joke. The church is doing so good, but the pastor's weak. And I remember saying, God, God, you have the power to make the sunset and the sunrise. You have the power to actually go on a cross, die, and bring yourself back to life. Then you have the power to take this pill and remove it. Because I can't stay. I don't want to take it anymore. And God brought me to a scripture that I read to you today. Monty, when you're weak, I'm strong. And if you taking a pill reminds you of your dependence on me, I'm okay with you taking the pill. And then God took it another step farther. And this is what, this is what really blew me away. He said, if you feel so, so, like such a fraud about it, tell him. I'm like, okay, God, settle down. Let's not get carried away here. Tell him. He's like, no, why don't you tell him? Why, why do you think it's got to be a secret? Maybe your struggle could actually help somebody. And you need to understand that when, when God said that, I didn't want to go up in front of all these people and say, oh yeah, I'm your pastor and I'm, every day I got to do this and otherwise I'm completely jacked. So after the service, I get up and close the message and I want to be obedient. I don't always get that right either, but this night I did. And I got up and told the congregation, by the way, I, I take medication every day and struggle with depression. And in my head, I thought, you're so weak. You're so weak. What I Pride goes before the fall. Pride goes before the fall. So weak. And God is saying the whole time, you are weak, but with me you're strong. And I closed out the message, and I remember walking off the stage thinking, well, my time here is probably done. That's what I thought. I thought, this church, I mean, they're a great church, but I know my time's done. And a woman, can you not? This woman comes charging at me. I'm kind of scared. I'm like, what's happening? She grabs me and hugs me. She's sobbing. I mean, I just she's just a hot mess. And she gra grabs me. She goes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, what? She goes, my husband. And she points back to a guy sitting in the chairs, and he's sobbing, hands in his face. She says, my husband, I've been talking to him for months about needing help for depression, and he won't, you know, he, the stigma, he won't go see a doctor. He won't get on medication, and he's going to make an appointment. And God just, like he shined a light. When, I, when, I, when you're weak, Monty, I'm strong. See, see, when you're obedient, I'll be glorified. And I'm like, I thought to myself, if we just impacted one person, that, that's all that matters. Well, way more than one was impacted in that. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, God. And the church, I mean, the devil wants you to believe that you're weak and that you're less than. Such a lie. All the devil does is lie. Did you know that? Anytime he opens his mouth, it's a lie. Every time. Pride goes before the fall. And I think about, see, you may not have control, but you have a choice. If you will do what you can do, God will do what you cannot. I just got up and told him, I messed up, I take this, I don't know. And then God did something miraculous, and some guy found healing through medication. Praise God. 
If somebody here just came for, to hear that, and maybe you've been struggling with a stigma about mental illness and medication, is medication for everybody? Probably not. God can use all kinds of means to get help. The key is get help. The key is you have a choice. The key is he does use medication for a lot of people. And if you've been holding back because you think that makes you less than, dispel that lie tonight or today. Now, God is doing something. God will take these tests that we say, right? And what did he say? He turns them into a testimony, doesn't he? It's what he's in the business of doing. It's what he's always done. And I thought to myself, do you know why I can relate so well to people, it seems like? Especially people that are dysfunctional like me, because I'm dysfunctional like them. Why do I relate so well to people that are messed up mentally? Because I'm messed up mentally. Why do I relate to drug addicts and alcoholics? And because that's who I was. That's why. Do you know the best person to minister to a woman who's had an abortion? A woman who's had an abortion. You know the best person to minister to somebody who's gone through horrendous abuse? Somebody that's gone through abuse. Who, who ministers to a person that's, uh, maybe a couple that's lost a child? Such a tragedy? Probably someone who's lost a child. This is what God does. He's in the business of like taking our greatest misery and turning it into our greatest ministry. It's what he does. We would never wish it on ourselves. But God says, I, my ways are better than your ways. Your key is to choose. Don't give up. I'll do what I've always done. And God showed me, you know, Monty, you kept praying for substitution. God, take the pill and give me healing. Same thing Paul did. Paul's like, take the thorn in my flesh. I'll take the healing. And God says, what if I don't want to give you substitution, but what, I want to give you a transformation? What if I want to do that instead? What if rather than taking your affliction and giving you joy, he just leaves the affliction and does something miraculous in it? This transformation that he wants to do. We, we want God, God, take the, take the illness and not give me the healing, right? Take the pain Give me the deliverance. But sometimes what God is showing me, we have to look past our pain in order to see God's purpose. This is what he wants to do in your life and trust that when you don't see a way out on the days when you're in pain and you can't find a way out, that is when your God will make a way in. That's what you have to trust him with. Oh God, the struggle. God didn't take away the affliction from Paul. He transformed him by adding something. What did he add? Do you remember? My what is sufficient for you? That's right, my grace. That's what he said in the scripture. I'm just quoting you what he said. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. What do you mean grace? It's anything good that you get that you don't deserve, which is anything good. Because in and of ourselves, we don't deserve really anything good. We gotta stop believing the lie. Well, we're good people. At the end of the day, we're not that good of a person. Right? We're, we mess up. We have a sinful heart. Let's just admit that. Gosh, you can't defeat what you can't define. Admit it. I'll tell you, mine is. But I'm telling you, God's grace, I got an acronym for you, helps you remember what grace is. God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay? God's riches at Christ's expense. Or you could say God's rewards. Either one works. It's like God's blessing you. Anything good, anything awesome, anything great in your life is from God. What do you mean at Christ's expense? Well, Christ paid a dear price. That's why we can have anything good. 
That's why we can, that's why we can get saved by God's grace. That's the, that's the gospel. I watched a, a, a Netflix documentary on Billy Graham. Man, if you got Netflix, watch it. Hour long. It's been a year since Billy Graham passed away. I watched that last yesterday and I bawled. I could, and his message was so simple. It wasn't all eloquent with big words. You know what he kept saying? Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus wants to save you. God loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you, and he loves you. And that's all he kept saying. God loves you. Jesus died on a cross for you to save you from yourself and save you from your sins. And for the person who walked in here today, maybe you've never accepted that by faith, saying, I want God's grace on me. I keep going down the wrong path. I keep doing bad things. I'm mentally messed up and I'm living in the mess up and not the miracle. And that's why God brought you here. And you can commit your life to Jesus. You can know where you're going when you die. That is the gospel. Jesus died to cover all of our sins. That's how big his death was. His resurrection was even bigger. Because three days later, he came back from the de dead to defeat sin, defeat death, defeat the devil. And you can live in that glory. You can live in that grace. You can live in that freedom. And you can have abundant life in him. So don't, if that's you, don't leave here. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe it's a commitment. Don't care what you call it. Don't leave here without knowing who you are. God's grace is big enough to save you. But if it's big enough to save us, it's also big enough to strengthen us in your struggle, in your daily grind, in your, in your relationships and your kids. God's grace is that big. He can do the big things and he can do the small things. God gave me one more scripture I need to give you. This one, I've read the Bible through and through numerous times. Sometimes you read stuff and you just don't, you know, whatever. You just doesn't click. It doesn't register. Maybe I was going through the motions. I've never seen this before. This blew me away. Paul wrote many of the letters in the New Testament. Galatians, Corinthians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. Those are all letters to churches and all letters to you and I. In Galatians, something blew me away that God wanted me to show you. Did you know that people actually got saved because Paul was sick? Like, because of his ailment, because of his illness, because of his mental mess up, people actually found Christ. The greatest gift you could ever be given. I've never seen it before, I'll show it to you. Galatians 4.13, listen to this. As you know, Paul's writing this, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to you. What? Because of an illness? You, you mean, you mean in spite of the illness you preached it? No, 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 because of the illness. No, 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 Paul, you mean like in lieu of it you preached it? No, 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 because of it. No, Paul, you mean in addition to you being sick, you went and taught him about Jesus? No! Paul says, no, stop adding or deleting from Scripture because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. See, God wants me to tell somebody in this place who walked in here wanting to give up in an area of your life. 
It might be an illness. It might be in your head. It might be something with your kids or your family or your finance. But God wants you to know that what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good. If you do not give up, you keep going. You got a choice. Come on, God. Do something in this place, Father. God's grace is enough. When I am weak, then I am strong. And I tell you what, I am weak in so many areas of my life. And if we can get real, maybe you are too. Today we give God glory. Because when we are weak, then we are strong. I don't have control of hardly anything in my life. But I have a choice, and so do you. What will you choose today for you to be healthy, to walk towards life and abundance and freedom? It's available. That's what God says. That's what grace is all about. In God's garden of grace, even broken trees bear fruit. Did you know that? That's good news. In God's storybook of hope, even broken crayons still color. Because God says, and Paul writes, and we believe that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Somebody give God a shout up in this place. I'm going to pray for you. I, I need you to know your Father in heaven Number one is real, and he loves you. You need to know it. Despite what anybody else has ever told you, despite how you feel about yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror, God in heaven loves you so much. So much. So much. Just receive that love today. Know that he's so not done with you. He's, he's, he's way less done with us than we are with ourselves, I'll tell you that. He has so much more. Just do whatever he's telling you to do. Some of you, you're going to come to the prayer team right after the service. Let us pray with you. Let us love you. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. And he is in love with you. He's just getting started with you. And he wants you to know today, you have a choice. Choose him. Sell out to him. I promise you'll never be the same again. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your truth. Boy, I don't know of a better human being we can learn from than Paul, a guy who faced way more probably than most of us will ever face. But yet he said when he was weak, you strengthened him. God, I know there are people in this place, namely the guy talking, who feels weak in so many areas of our lives. God, I'm asking that you pour your spirit and your power into us. Strengthen us the only way that you can. Draw us close to you, God. It's, you said it. If we draw close to you, you will, you will draw close to us and you will blow us away with your love, your power, and your goodness. God, we desperately need you in this place. God, minister to your people. I pray that everybody here will do whatever you're telling them to do. We don't have control of anything in our life. Even the breath that we breathe. I know that we breathe. We don't have to think about breathing. It happens. We don't control it. You do. You have control, God. But we have a choice. Today, I want to choose you. Today, we, I want everyone in this place to choose you in every area of their life and know that you love them. Know you're not done with them. Know that the struggle that they're in, if we don't, if we don't lay down in it, 
and we actually rise up from it, God, it can actually strengthen us. And when we're stronger, everybody around us is stronger. You can use us and you can use that dysfunction for your goodness and your glory. So God, have your way. Do what only you can do and we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray and everybody says, amen.